Report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week we rewatch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and bring you, yes, you, all of the behind-the-scenes stories that made the magic happen on the set. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs, former Head of Resources Management at Paramount. Brandon, how are we doing today? Uh, okay. Um, oh. I was just reminded that Billie Eilish won an Oscar. Really? Was yeah. that was that for Best Director? <laughs> it was. Uh, it was for note the her song in No Time to Die. Ah, that's the James Bond prequel. Yes, the 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 James Bond flick. Yes, the Bond flick, the 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 Bond joint, if you will. Right, right, right. This is the one where he plays an actual Bondsman. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now it's the one where Daniel Craig continues to be unattractive. You know, I've known some older women to be really into Daniel Craig. His his ruggedness is something they cite as a positive, which to me it feels like a polite thing that a grandma would say about like no, there's her, her ugly grandson. There's, there's ruggedness. Don't get me wrong, but Daniel Craig looks like. Looks like a like a like an alcoholic Russian dude you'd find in like a, a Chernobyl adjacent village. Maybe just like more fit. Okay. And dressed in a you suit know? like a monkey. Yeah, like a monkey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he does kind of look like a monkey too. It's true. That's true. Now, are you? Do you think that James Bond needs to have a certain amount of uh, a certain debonair quality to him, or do you think that there's room for a rugged Bond? Well, I don't. I've I've never read the books. Okay. So I don't know what he's supposed to be like. So, per so you're se, but... a James Bond secondary, is what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I would say we're all very used to him being that uh, that kind of suave kind of character. Okay. Um, and that's what we all want to see. We want to see him fucking nonstop. Well, there's different ways of fucking. You can ruggedly fuck. I think. Um, rape adjacent. I mean, yeah, but I mean, look at him. Look. <laughs> there's there's a big difference between that and like, oh, I'm going to to lay a uh, a Halle Berry inside of an ice hotel while drifting mm. my car on a frozen lake or whatever it is Pierce Brosnan does in his free time other than feed his fat wife. <laughs> and it's certainly a far cry from being shrunk down and. <laughs> um, I just think Daniel Craig is unpleasant to look at. I don't necessarily agree, but I, I agree with the core of what you're saying, if not to the the extent to which you're saying it. Um, so I, I mean, I can see that. Now, was that movie any good? Oh, An- I don't know. I don't another another day to die. No time to. No time for another day, Doctor. No time to die. 
this one is called No Time to Die. What was the other Time to Die one? It's Time to Die. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. James James Bond films. Yeah, get the uh, James Bond chronology up. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, I see. That was Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Okay. It's no Quantum of Solace insofar as oh, the title game. Then there's Die Another Day. Terrible song. No Time to Die Another Day Tomorrow. I liked... If we're talking about the music, you know, Billie Eilish, I liked... Um, the the wings joint, um, live and let die. With that really silly strings part, or maybe it was the synthesizer. I forget. What are you talking about? The, the Paul McCartney one. Live and let die from like the seventies or the eighties or whatever. You know, we're like, we still talking about Bond films. Yeah, the fucking. Theme oh, I haven't song. watched any of these. Oh my god, I neither have I, but I've heard the music. You've you've definitely heard. Live and let die before. No, yeah, I, I, I have. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with you? I guess I. Oh no, because because we were talking about it in the context of Bond, and it got me all well. I me all messed up. I circled back around the Billie Eilish, you know, the Bond theme songs. You said she won an Oscar. She did win an Oscar. What does that have to do with Paul McCartney or whatever? He Live and Let Die was the theme song of the Bond movie. What is wrong with you? I swear. Billie Eilish has some, some big knockers, though, huh? Yeah, but you're not allowed to say that. Kind of hard to tell in these Oscar pictures. Did she get them, like, reduced, or did she just get less fat? Did she also wear an oversized hoodie to the Oscars? No, she wore an oversized dress. Dress, uh, question mark? Burlap sack? <laughs> it looks sackish. <laughs> Like when, I can I I can't tell if she's fat. I mean, she's probably fat-ish, Billy fatish. <laughs> I don't know. She uh, she disturbs me because she looks she looks like uh, my older sister when she was young. Ah, uh, was your older sister also uh, with big badonka donks? Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It's kind of been weighing on my mind. Um. I assure you, they've been weighing on her for her entire adult life. What if, what if her name is actually Billy Irish, but a Japanese man named her when she came out of the out of the womb? Um, the Japanese doctor. Oh, beer. I, I would say that this revelation raises more questions than answers. Does it beg the question? I beg the question. Please give me the question. No. <laughs> um, I've heard roughly 45 seconds of Bad Guy, and that's all I know about Billie Eilish. The, the, the part where it goes... Yeah. Someone told yeah. me it sounded like the Plants vs. Zombies theme song, and then I said, <laughs> I, I don't know what that sounds like. And then they said, listen to this, and I said, okay. And uh, that's how I heard Billie Eilish. Uh, did, you, did you ever figure out if it sounded like the Plants vs. Zombies theme song? No, I quickly lost interest. 
It probably does, though. That sounds like something that Plant vs. Zombies would be uh, set to, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, a, it's, it's, it's like a 10-second loop, flash game loop. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it's... Your, your, your kid would play on CartoonNetwork.com. Yeah, I had to block that website. Mm-hmm. Just to increase productivity. Right. <laughs> in your sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I had a computer in there at all, but to, to be honest, but... <laughs> <laughs> just for research purposes yeah i mean it's the china approach where it basically has its own internet at a a certain point what what is it weeblo weeblio so it's yeah it's like you know weibo i think is what it's called i see weibo which sounds suspiciously like the the Spanish word for egg. Go on. Uh, that's all I had. Did I ever tell you my Japanese egg joke? Definitely, but let's hear it. Um, when did the Japanese start eating eggs? When? A long, long time ago. Yep, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have, you have, you have told me that one. Was it better than the second told time? Everyone, that one. No, actually, it was worse. But uh, I, I think I enjoyed it the first time. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. So, um, we're here today. We've convened to answer a question of the week, and mm. still not yet talk about Star Trek. But mm. this week's question of the week comes from. Inner sloth, which I don't know if that's like a, like a parable, like inner sloth, outer speed or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but inner sloth asks, hello, admirals. We're big fans of TNG here at inner sloth. We noticed that allegiance is coming up soon in your episode queue. And we wanted to go on the record to state that the idea of among us and an imposter was all inspired by Picard in this episode. Just a fun fact. Remember to try horse mode on April Fool's Day. It's a little earlier. I saved it because they wanted to talk about this episode. Um, oh, yeah. Sicily? Sicily? Readier? Sicily. Inner Sloth. What? I chose this because they mentioned this week's episode by name, but I was hoping you could explain the contents of this message to me. Among Us. Let's get the idea of Among Us and an imposter among us horse mode among I have, us i have no idea what they're getting at here so who is among us right now there's you and me yeah and the ensigns the ensigns is there someone that we don't know that's among us are they trying to tell us that there's someone listening in right now oh god they're they're jacking into the podcast live yeah now, see now i'm worried that we might be getting our views stolen was this that wasn't the plot of allegiance right so it's not i mean kind of there was an imposter picard yeah so he could be impostering us on, Let, on different streaming services are you a changeling have you been me yeah have you been taken over my yeah i wouldn't say i'm a changeling per se i mean sometimes i what i do in my personal time isn't really your business mitch 
Well, I'm just wary of any changelings and transitioners inside of, mm. you know, assuming the identity. Some kind of pod people. Well, you know, uh, you know what they say about changelings and their survivability rate. Go on. You know, at least half of them kill themselves. It sounds like something a changeling would say. What? Yeah. Do the blood test. Sorry? Everyone knows to test a changeling, you cut open the skin, and if real blood comes out, they're, they're not a changeling. You really think a changeling couldn't replicate blood? Cut yourself. If that's what's going to convince you. Yeah, it won't convince me 100%, but it is a start. Hold on, let me get my box cutter out here. You can use right, you our ready? replica Klingon ceremonial blade if you'd like. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Three, two, okay. one. <clears throat> All right, you're not a change. There you go. There you go. All yeah, right, we... I, you just have to be sure. You know, if someone gives us a tip like this, I'm. You can never be no, too no, safe. I, I understand the concern. I understand the concern. Um, get our producer to get me a, a bandage. Can you give me a bandage. They're behind the, in the, the drawer. No, no, the other one. Under. No, that, yeah, yeah, that one, that one, that right there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll we'll All be right. we'll be fine here. Uh, so not, the the issue is though now Jesus that fucking kills. Um, who who is the changeling? Right. Well. Can't be you me. You haven't proven yourself to me yet. Well, I'm not going to, but it couldn't be me because I chose this question. If I was, I wouldn't bring suspicion upon myself by bringing this question up. So, mm, mm, mm. obviously not me. But you know, if you at home know who the changeling is um, that is among us, please send a question of the week to the Radio Room at gmail.com with a capital T and two capital R's, but not that capital R. Or you can tweet at us at the radio room, and we'll discover the imposter together. And eventually, we'll um, we'll we'll try horse mode. Um, yeah, horse mode. Horse yeah, we mode. didn't we didn't even talk about horse mode. Is this like a centaur? Like a type of centaur? You know, I don't know. You know what a centaur is? Yeah. If 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 what I'm thinking is correct, I mean, I've seen a guy try with horse mode. It didn't end too well for him. No, um, no, what was it, Mr. Mr. Horse Mode? Mr. Arms. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, real sicko mode, horse mode. Hmm. Mm. So, they may be telling us to kill ourselves. Well, we get those messages a lot. You know, we always did. Do you, do you think, do you think he experienced some kind of pleasure before he died? Or was it all just pain? During horse mode? Mm-hmm. No, I think that um, it was all pain. I mean, you know how it is when something goes up there when you're not quite ready for it. Um, yeah. It's it's like a, a wall you gotta break down before you even get to the to the pleasurable feeling, and in that process, his uh, too many of his organs were, were ruptured. Yeah, just scrambled. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a reverse lobotomy. You know how they shove like a hook up there and <laughs> swiggle it around 
And now it's at the other end. <laughs> Just uh, uh, your daily reminder to never put anything bigger than a bad dragon up there. Yeah, and God forbid you put something made of glass up there. Not that that horse's penis was made of glass, but that's a corollary. <laughs> just, just don't clench. Yeah. That's another video. You ever see that one? I the, don't think so. The jar? Oh, I've heard of it, but no, I haven't seen it. Uh, that's a required viewing. I have seen it. It's required viewing for to, to be a host of the Readier Room. Yeah. <laughs> just so you get all my references. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that wasn't on my application. Um, I, I have seen prolapses though. Ah, I've only seen time lapses. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, that'll do it. This is the part where this is the part where you insert jazz music in, into the silence. Oh, I uh, I do a lot of editing on on this show. You know that. Mm. Yeah. And our editors also do a lot of editing. It's a lot of work that goes into this production. Yeah. People people don't really understand that. Yeah. It's not we just... We actually have a six-hour conversation every day that gets cut down into to what you're listening to now. Right. It's not just sitting down and talking. A lot of people, they start a podcast. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to talk. Right. They, don't, they don't write anything. They don't prepare anything. They don't edit anything. They don't um, buy the audio equipment. They don't sit up with nice posture to get the the right reverberation inside of their body. Right, they don't right. do you anything. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like you really think your opinion's that interesting? Right. People no. want to listen to you? No. Come on. I don't know. Please. Have some self-awareness. Don't fucking embarrass yourself. And others. Mm-hmm. So, this week, we watched Allegiance episode of TNG. We did. I uh, don't know what you thought about it, and I guess I'll start with my opinion for this week. You always uh, start with your opinion. Then go ahead, you start. I thought you started last week. It's the only reason I said no, that. No, you started last week. All right, go. <laughs> and I think you started the, la- the the week before last. All right, well, who's on trial here? You go ahead. Who's on first? That's right. Um. Okay, fine, fine. I'll if you insist, I'll go. Go, I'll go first. Uh. I thought on a technical level, this this episode was really, really. I mean, in terms of acting, in terms of makeup, especially those two things were. Uh, this episode was really good. You like the acting that much, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, saying, well, I'm not saying it was. Patrick. I'm not saying it was bad. Uh, I just it didn't register as so much of a positive to me. Patrick, I think, was incredible in this episode because he managed to play. As as his doppelganger, it was still Picard, but like you you could tell in basically every scene that something was off, and mm. it wasn't so in your face as he's always doing something wacky, because a lot of those things were things that you could see Picard saying, maybe not with that affectation, but mm. he was often very reserved, but still slightly different from how you know he would usually perform the character, which I I thought showed. Um, A lot of, a lot of skill in in his ability to, um, not just immediately jump to playing a wacky, crazy, almost you know mirror universe self that uh, I feel like a lot of other actors would, you know. Yeah, I guess I buy that. Um, I I certainly got that same kind of vibe from 
uh, Patrick's performance that it hit that mm-hmm. mark of being uncanny, right? Similar but different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And then, yeah, so on top of that, you know, you have the makeup, which, I mean, it's not, like, the best thing ever, but for track for TV at the time, for the, for the budget and all that stuff, you had some pretty cool... You had, um, how, how do you say it? Esoc? Esoc? I think Esoc. Esoc, which was incredibly intricate, an incredibly intricate costume. Um, we had to have a guy on hand for every Esoc scene to be able to, like, some, some parts of it had to be taken off after every scene. Right. Um, just because they... I think I think they were actually like dangerous to the to the actor. Uh, I know the contact lenses had to be taken out after every scene. Uh, he, he couldn't keep wearing them, and I can't remember why. But it was it was like I don't know Wizard of Oz esque. You ever heard the story of of the the production no. of the Wizard of Oz? No, no. All right, then this might sound confusing, but um, what the deal was with that was that basically every actor the materials involved in their costumes were just very um hazardous to their health for example the the lead inside of the paint that was applied (laughs) to the tin man or or whatever and the working conditions with them were such that everyone suffered some kind of physical trauma during production yeah and this is this is not a joke this is 100 percent true and um, if you look it up, it's like everyone for years afterwards, something stuck with them, some lasting condition that they wow. um, got while on set. Yeah. So something like this, the Esau costume, I very easy for me to believe. That That's it. hilarious. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to have to look that up later. But uh, yeah, uh, in terms of the other stuff in the episode, the I thought it was, you know, it was interesting enough. I thought the the little prison scenes and stuff, it was kind of a rehash of things we've already seen before in a lot of other media. You know, the old, like, Agatha Christie type, you know, let's, oh, what, what are we going to do, not trust each other, and then devolve into chaos kind of thing. Right. Um, it's, it's nothing we haven't seen before, but I guess it gives Picard something to do, you know, that's yeah. a little bit different. Which is nice. It didn't break new ground for sure, but I thought that those scenes were, on the whole, entertaining and also um, novel for TNG. Yeah, sure, sure. If if not fiction as a whole, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, like I said, it was was interesting enough. Um, The scenes on the Enterprise were... paced well enough that I wasn't falling asleep or whatever like like I, I was with a few episodes this season. That's like your favorite pastime, falling asleep during during TNG. <laughs> Some of these episodes are just mind-numbing, you know? Yes. Like like they didn't know how to write a script. But uh in this in this case I think everything works well. It's not going to be mind-blowing, but there are things this episode I think does uh not better but differently than other episodes enough that it's worth watching on its own just because of that stuff. Yeah, I buy that. Um, I, I too have an overall impression, a positive impression of the episode, but um, I wasn't 
so thoroughly engaged throughout its runtime. My attention did waver now and again, but I wouldn't um, hold that against the episode too much because I can't identify anything I would so readily change or or rewrite. Where did you uh, where did you kind of zone out? Some of the fake Picard stuff, and this might be a victim of really. Me. Uh, it, uh, let me this let me expand a little bit. This might be a victim of me having seen the episode more than a right. couple of times within the past few years. Right. So the novelty wears off, right? Because once you know what the score is, the the uncanny valley Picard just loses a little bit of its luster. But again, I'm trying not to fault the episode for that because you know on the first watch, it, it is quite uh, appealing. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I most of these episodes I've I've only seen once or twice. I you know, mm. you watch them when they air, you watch them on you know VHS or DVD or whatever. Um, I was never really one to to rewatch and rewatch the shows that we've worked on. Right. So um, this this was maybe my third or fourth time seeing it, and I'd forgotten completely, almost completely. I knew the general plot outline, but I, I'd forgotten most of the scenes except for the the bar scene, of course. The, uh, <laughs> that 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 old chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, stuff like the crusher scene, I completely forgot even happened, which I thought was pretty funny. I spent a uh, lot of time thinking about that scene in context of the the plot and why. Those aliens instigated that scene. Right, right. Which I never quite got my answer to. I think that's definitely something we should we should wrap up with is discussing that. Yeah, because that's you, you bring that up, and yes, I, I I was wondering that too for the entire runtime of this episode, for pretty much everything. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll get to that um, once once we kind of hash through what was going on in the episode hash browns mm. don't make me hungry oh you you making me hungry <laughs> you a bad girl you make me hungry uh, you're a snack <laughs> i'm gonna shrink you down and put you in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna sh- Shrink you down and put you in the fry pan, make you a hash brown. <laughs> uh, so, this episode starts out with um, the the Enterprise saying it's on a, a mission to to meet up with the another ship. Oh the, wait 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 wait! You you skipped over the part where they had just finished eradicating a plague. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which. Uh, if if you if you remember, uh, one of the very first episodes of the show was them yes. having trouble eradicating a plague. How far so we've I, come! I thought it was funny just how how offhand they mentioned this plague and how easy it seemed to have been dealt with. Although I guess they weren't dealing with. Was that the African episode? No. Yes. There, there were, they needed a vaccine in the African episode. I remember that. So what was the plague episode? Whatever that might have been. I don't, right? I, I don't, I don't want to see. Uh, yeah, they needed something from someone. They were dealing with like you know the, this the standoffish race. So I guess it probably was the African episode. Mm. Uh, not for any reasons other than I just think it was. Well, that does connect to 
parts of this episode's production, um, the Enterprise was going yeah, to, yes, to, meet, to yes. meet up with the USS Hood. And I remember we contracted a bunch of extras from Harlem. We flew them into L.A. to, to play the crew of that ship. But yes. that scene ended up getting cut in, uh, in it editing. It did. It did, yeah. Um, which is a shame. We, we had the Hood go through a few different uh, iterations, I guess. And that, that was our first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have been... That would have been great for representation, first of all. But um, oh, yeah. we we wanted to kind of subvert that after that fell through. Um, there was there's going to be this idea that a few episodes or maybe you know a season down the line, um, we'd have a follow up episode that was kind of just going to be about the hood, right? And um, it would be revealed that uh, within the Federation, it it would have been this dog whistle. The name the name of the ship would have been this dog whistle for this kind of splinter group within the Federation. Mm. And the Enterprise crew was going to have to put a stop to its, its well, you know, they called them terraforming activities, but it would eventually be re- revealed to be kind of a euphemistic term. Um, mm-hmm. And the the problem with that was that um, Barclay actually ended up being a much different character than we, well, I say we, but the, you know, the writers had, had kind of devised. And um, once he had kind of developed an arc that, that moved away from his initial premise. We, we lost the anchor to that plot completely. So um, the hood kind of remains in, in limbo. That's true. You know, now I think is, if... is it, is it a ship of African-Americans or a ship of whites only? Do you think that when they, when they inevitably bring it back in Picard three, um, that it will retain the premise that everybody on the ship is male? I don't think they can get away with that. Well, I mean, it was a good idea. I mean, it was it would kind of play secondary to the two um, themes we were just discussing. But the idea is that you know they would the ship would be composed entirely of young men, mm-hmm. so it would be the boys in the hood. Right. 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 The boys in the hood. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that was a strong premise, regardless of if we you should... took the black or the white angle. What we should do is is for Picard season three have have an episode called Schrodinger's Hood. Ooh, I like that, and and, <laughs> and we we just incorporate all all versions of this concept into one episode. It'll be like that episode where Worf was jumping around the different parallel universes. <laughs> you mean your favorite episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But yeah, so so the Enterprise is off to terraform some planet with the hood, right. apparently <laughs> the USS Hood, and uh, Picard gets gets uh, abducted by um, a rectangle a flat object. And what, what what people don't know, at least they don't really see this in like encyclopedic material or whatever, is that 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 abduction scene was actually filmed upside down. We had Patrick suspended. Um, basically you know with his with his face facing the ground and what we did was we had like a blue screen and we had uh like a large metallic surface reflecting the sky off of it which is you know how you see the the clouds and the you know the the computer generated right um block thing i was talking to, to mike okuda about this um years ago um and yeah so so i guess i guess what they did was they just flipped it and and that's that's how we got that scene and, uh, you know, 
Patrick wasn't even in the room at the time. He wasn't in that, you know, that set just for that particular abduction scene. Which I thought was interesting. I agree. Similar thing with the induction scenes in this episode, but um, I mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. big fan of our production, our special effects team. They, yeah, yeah, we, we don't really show them enough love just because we don't really understand a lot of it, but... But they are true wizards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember one of them, that was his business card. He had, you know, his name and then special effects wizard. Anyway, mm-hmm. we all, we all kind of rolled our eyes when we read it, and I, you know, I still do, but, you know, they're, they, they're talented. Well, I don't know if you heard, but he actually, he's actually become a special effects grand wizard now. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess he got the last laugh. He made it all the way to 30, huh? Good for him. So, Picard gets abducted, and the crew is on it. They say, oh, there's a weird energy thing in Picard's room. (laughs) There was exactly. (laughs) That's the line. Uh, That's data to to Riker. Commander, there appears to be a weird energy thing in the captain's quarters. (laughs) Riker does his eye thing. Uh, Worf absconds out of the room. Um, and and I'm sure you noticed this, but um, the the doors kind of bounce off of each other yes. when he enters the elevator. Um, our, our our guys in the back had a little too much a uh, little too much excitement going on, I guess. But mm. well, I mean, sometimes everyone and no matter what job you do in the world, everybody's like this. Um, you just kind of I'm gonna sneeze. I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Bless me. You. And that's that's a thing. That's a thing that uh, you know Zoomers don't understand these days. You don't bless anyone. God blesses them. Right. Right. But anyway, no matter what job you're doing, whether it's in Hollywood or not, actor, production, accountant, garbage man, there's some percentage of the time you do it inebriated, and and so such were our door guys that day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. I mean. Plenty of the uh, plenty of the cast showed up inebriated. That's right. Yeah. The only way to get through a production shoot with uh, with Gene hovering over you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Picard shows. Oh wait, no, yeah, Worf shows up at Picard's door, and and Picard's just there, right? He's he's yeah, he's totally got his fine. he's got his drink, and he's like, "Problem, Lieutenant." And he he does the epic troll face, right? And then Worf does that thing where he like inhales a lot and his shoulders rise up like two feet and because mm-hmm. he doesn't really know how to act otherwise and and then and then he goes <laughs> <laughs> and then cut to the intro <laughs> which uh i can no longer skip because i've had to buy the blu-rays right no longer on netflix mm-hmm. well if you had nord vpn um, sh- shout out to today's sponsor, um, NordVPN. You could watch it on Netflix in another region. Like watching Japanese anime? Like NordVPN has you covered. Japanese anime? Japanime, as I like to say? Japanimation? Japanimation. You know, little known, Ghibli. little known fact, the, the Japanese also say Japanimation. Mm-hmm. They also... Um, say a lot of words in Japanese, but I can't quote that. Yeah, they also say um, Daisuke and um, Me Love You Long Time. And and Neko-chan. Right. And uh, 
<laughs> we love you long time. <laughs> yeah, they also they also say, uh, you want to Japanese girl? I think you say that. <laughs> if we're I being got accosted. I got accosted one night by a woman asking me that. Uh, one night when you disappeared, actually. Okay. okay. Maybe that's why she felt safe to accost you. Because your, you your bodyguard wasn't there. <laughs> I was I was drunkenly stumbling towards the convenience to buy myself a calorie mate. And uh, she kept following me. Was she attractive? Uh, well, no. It, she wasn't offering herself. Oh, I see. She was working for it, some. It was, it was like a business type yeah. thing where... You know, I was probably going to get shaken yeah. down. Definitely shaken down, not stirred. Mm, not stirred. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, Picard wakes up on a on a in a room at least. Yeah, and uh, it's a nice little set. I like that set. Yeah, it's cute. The it's got like Quaint. these very bright light bulbs that have a. Uh, bit of an effect on the camera um, yeah yeah um the lighting is particularly flat there which is nice yes <laughs> I, I although i will say unironically a surveilled prison cell is where i would expect there to be a very flat <laughs> yeah. lighting. yeah 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 i will agree with that but um, yes overall this was hilarious and uh he's there along with some weird weird looking aliens there's um yeah uh, an alien with a big seam running down the middle of her a seamstress if you well, will. Well, we we actually we actually met one of those in um what's what's the what's the the conspiracy one was it just called conspiracy? I think it might have been. There was, there was that captain of the ship. Yes. Um, that Picard is meeting. They're with. called bullions. Bully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're called bullions. So like like the, the search female we see. Like the search query. That's a bully. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Silly Billy. Silly bully. <laughs> oh um, boy. Yeah. So so we have we have a bullion named uh, uh, Mitena Haro, who is a cadet, a Starfleet cadet. Can I get the name one more time? Uh, Mitena Haro. Um, nice. Do you remember that, or is that in your notes? That's my notes. Oh, damn. Why would I remember that? I don't know. I don't think they ever say it. Well, clearly they say it, but I did not remember hearing it. Um, There's a Miserian. Right. Mizarian? Right. Miserian? How, how do they say it? Miserian? Right. With uh, uh, Named Kova Thal. Also, I remember Thal, because they say Mr. Thal, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mr. Thal. Um, played... By the way, by by Stephen Markle, God bless him, who died from uh, Parkinson's. Right. I mean, that's why he was sitting down for most of the episode, just yeah. uh, so we wouldn't have to see him do the twist. Hard to watch sometimes, but uh, yeah. Um, so so yeah, he wakes up with those two. Right. Yeah, this is a good time to point, as any, to point out the uh, inspiration for the Mazarian. At least I know the uh, inspiration for the for the Bolian was just. One of the production designers looking at their jeans and seeing the the seam running down the side of it, but yeah, right. Um, with the Mazarian, uh, one of our costume designers has seen an advertisement for Sonic the Hedgehog, 
if you if you remember mm-hmm. that video game character. Yeah, 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 the little little blue guy. Right, he's like a hedgehog. He's got like a spiny spines on the back of his head. Looks just like the Mazarian, and just like the Mazarians, he's he's got super speed capabilities. But we never got to see that side of them in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that ended up being used in a video game, actually. Uh, one of those point and clicks. Yeah, yeah, well, the Trek ones. Not Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, not right. Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. It was obviously used in Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. Now, the Trek video game series is um, a storied it's a storied history there. A lot of bangers, as they say. Yeah, like that Voyager uh, third-person shooter game. Or was it first-person? I don't know. It was first-person. I think it was a, a Quake ripoff. It's yeah. just amazing to me. <laughs> you know Quake, son? <laughs> uh how how do you how do you go into making a, a star trek game and say yeah let's make it a shooter uh the same way you go into making a star trek movie and say let's make <laughs> yeah. it an action movie I, I was i was gonna say this is like way way ahead of its time <laughs> I, the only thing i really want to do is to become tuvok and and shoot bust bust some caps in people <laughs> logically because he's a vulcan I really only want to become Darmok. Darmok isn't isn't a person. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna be Darmok. You're gonna be Jalad. Right, and we'll we'll fuck around at Tanagra. Fuck around at Tanagra and find out. <laughs> fuck around and find out at Tanagra. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's, Dar- that's a T-shirt. That's season four, right? Yeah. All right. We'll we'll get there soon. That's like end of season four, I think. No, it's got to be the beginning. Hold on. It's either mid or end. All right. I, really quick. I, I know we'll get to that in a few months, but um, the fact that can't help yourself. Darmok is the name of just like one guy that is spoken of once or twice, but is the name of the episode when it's not the <laughs> name of the captain or the race or the language or anything. Yeah. I, that that got me. Oh, it's season five. Episode two of season five. Oh no. Wow, really? Yeah. So you we were had a long way to go. Yeah, you were right. It's not close to the beginning of season four, but I was right, it was close to the beginning of the season. It was a season five. Gotcha. Looks like we both won. As always. You ever notice I, I was a big fan of the oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. How they always just get fat out of shape people to play every actor on star trek it's, it's so the audience can relate but it's like every they always wear these onesies that are kind of form-fitting and everyone just has a gut like in yeah. every series every actor it's it's amazing to me anyway go on uh, i was gonna say i i was a big fan of the um big, big fan of, of mike's decision to put just just a, a Big thing of foam around the the Miserian's head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to think that uh, he kind of used up all his creative juices on on Essok's costume and just said, you know, fuck it. We're just e- gonna put a Esoc. big foam thing. Esok, sorry. And other than the big foam thing, it's just a blue guy in a uh, in like a suit. Oh yeah, but he has those like he has like that like that head texture too on the back, right? So. That's true. It's like a bonnet, a space bonnet. 
yeah 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 like there's there's something going on there but it's like the foam is just it's so obviously foam <laughs> it's just a little distracting um but yeah eventually we do get introduced to, to isak who is who is uh played by reiner shona who is uh actually a german actor one of the, one of the most I don't know. I don't know about most interesting, but an interesting guest actor. Um, he dubbed Optimus Prime in German. Oh. Um, he dubbed later Darth Vader stuff in German. So like the 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 prequels and the cartoons and stuff. Now wasn't Darth Vader's original actor German? No, you're thinking of the the Dark Vader Burger. No, I'm serious. the The guy inside of the Darth Vader costume was some German guy. Oh. I yeah. don't think he was German. No, he was, and they... No, he wasn't. Listen, you, you listen to me. <laughs> so, it's this German guy, and he's he's reading the lines, and he sounds very unimposing, so they bring in James Earl Jones to dub over him. But, well, yes, you have all that right, but he wasn't German. Then what was he, if not German? Hold on. It was David Prowse. He was English. Prowse? You're going to tell me Prowse is not a German name? He was English. I'm sorry. He was from England. Yeah. It's P-R-O-W-S-E. I don't know if I believe this. He was also a bodybuilder. So it's... He built bodies? He wasn't imposing. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. The things we do here, they're fine. He, he was in a film called Saving Star Wars, a 2004 independent film. Um, the, the title is a play on Saving Private Ryan in Star Wars. Oh, oh my god. How many dumb, like, Star Wars fan road trip movies are there? Like, oh, we're making a pilgrimage to the place where George Lucas wrote the first scripts, or whatever. Something like something, that. Something like that, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're saving Star Wars. There's that movie called, like, Fanboys or something. Yeah. That's that's um, that's fiction, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's all fiction. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, it is Star Wars, though. Um, yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't... Yeah, like, Star Wars as a film property, sure, I, but I don't, ha- I don't have any desire to watch all these fan productions of random bullshit no definitely not definitely not who gives a fuck no it's like oh look at uh, me I, i'm <clears throat> my documentary building a set accurate captain's chair from star trek <laughs> well i would probably watch that <laughs> you just like woodworking i i mean do you not I like it when my wood works as opposed to when it doesn't, for sure. <laughs> I like my wood to work for me. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, Doppelganger Picard redirects the, the ship from the, the Hood Rendezvous to like a, a, a star cluster or something. Yeah, a nebula. Yeah, a nebula. Right. Yeah. And uh, he pulls Riker aside and says... I can't tell you everything. I'm sorry. And then Riker says, okay. <laughs> I trust you, Captain. And uh, is, is is the poker scene after this? 
there's a number of scenes that may that can really be in any order of Picard <laughs> doing strange things. But That's I believe the, the poker scene was first. Yeah, poker scene was first. Yeah. My, my, my problem is placing the chronology of, like, real Picard and fake Picard and, like, which one happens when. But, well, these things uh, are completely unrelated. Uh, that's true insofar as the timeline so that's true it i guess we can approach them in any way really it is rather inconsequential the the order of these events uh Um, yeah so this the poker scene happens right and picard in it you know we said this before he's acting strange in in a way that's apparent to the audience and um he coming to the poker game is the first sign of that because he just never shows up because he's kind of rude um right yeah, but then he pulls Troy aside and says, "I'm worried if about the loyalty of the crew. I need. Do they suspect me of anything? Am I being suspicious? It's kind of a weird, weird thing to say if you're undercover, but you know, whatever. Kind of a weird vibe. Yeah, these these highly advanced aliens are also idiots. So you know, I buy that. <laughs> as as we come to find out. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, and, and even before that, he, he talks to Jordy, and he's like, you know, I, I want to increase our engine output. And he's like, oh, but it's just a suggestion. Right. And Jordy's like, all right, I'll go do it. And Fred says, no, don't go do it. Jordy's like, no, I'll go do it. And Fred's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he watches He watches a single hand and then pulls Troy away. Yeah, that was hilarious to me, just the timing of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they couldn't have cut and just established a, a time. A time skip right. of some sort. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the thing. You don't know if it's supposed to be awkward or if it's just like some mild form of autism. Well, you, the the way the aliens are portrayed later on leaves the door open for it being intentionally awkward. But I also can't put it past incompetence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, now's as good as time any to note that Picard, Picard, Patrick, um, he insisted on getting two paychecks for two roles in this episode and yeah uh, man he, he did and he got him more power to him yeah well i mean like i said he you know he put the work in yeah that's what uh, I, uh it's kind of like a commission based sale uh salary approach you know you make more sales in a mm-hmm. sales position you get more money you act better in an acting position you get more money <laughs> Which explains why uh, Marina Sirtis was the lowest paid member of the cast. Right, because she never really acted. Right, that plus her, in general, being a woman. Lower mm. to pay. Better times. Better you know, times. Men, men were men, women were women. It was the golden it's, age of Hollywood. That's right. Uh, I, I, I do remember Rick. Rick was uh, the director, Rick. Uh it was it was very chuffed with with Patrick's performance in this episode. So uh, he had a few people lining up to bat for him on this salary issue, this paycheck issue. Um, Which is the last thing you can tell an actor. You don't want them to know that they have the support of others. No, no, you're always supposed to tell them they're garbage. That's why all the great directors do that. Right. I could replace you at a moment's notice. I could replace you at a moment's notice. That is, is that your David Lynch? David Lynch. Nice. I do... It, it makes me kind of giddy to think about David Lynch being a complete asshole and getting into arguments with the cast. 
it, it makes me giddy to imagine him showing up on set every day and pulling a ball out of a out of a hat and saying, "Today's number is eight. <laughs> it's time for the daily weather forecast." You're trying to film a movie, but David Lynch has to do like two hours of daily rituals every day. <laughs> <laughs> he has to do his woodworking which basically just consists of taking like three wooden blocks and randomly nailing them together oh my i don't God. know if you've seen those videos but i haven't have you seen uh six men getting sick the david lynch film yeah you know but i have seen six men getting sick in real life the uh at the bar well, kind of. Um, but you, wait, what is what is this? It's an animation David Lynch made as one of his first things ever. Oh, you know what? This does ring a bell. And uh, it's kind of basically a, a loop, right? But it's of, no. it's of the quality where where okay, David Lynch is a he's an up and coming guy maybe he's a film student at this point and he's made this mm -hmm. um esoteric animation of a looping thing of that vaguely looks like six guys vomiting and it's so cool now if you transpose that with one of his woodworking videos in, in so far as the timeline of his life you know like he makes the woodworking video while he's a student and he makes six men getting sick while well, you know, he's like 70 or whatever old he is now 80 right and, and right. uh I think the general reaction to both would be exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, have, have you bought his NFTs yet? Have I bought David Lynch's NFTs yet? Loaded question, yeah. if there ever was one. Um, <laughs> but no, I haven't bought them yet. <laughs> he, he, you know he put out NFTs, right? No, I don't know that. Yeah, they're like these, I think they're also loops, but they're, I think they're live action. And yeah, they're, they're just like these these short videos that uh, that he releases NFTs, and they they definitely sold for a ridiculous amount of money, like tens of thousands of dollars at least. I mean, that's the legitimacy, the artistic legitimacy is the one thing a lot of NFTs are missing, mm -hmm. and to have David Lynch's name attached to one, uh, plus you know the exclusivity and and such intrinsic to NFTs, yeah, I I would not be. Hard pressed to imagine those selling well. Well, yeah, yeah. So, um, back in real Picard land, in in the the prison room, um, they 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 show him the Jello, right? Which I want to point out was one of our few on screen contributions to track the the Jello uh, cylinder. Right. Right. Um, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of our job. You come up with a food that uh, could realistically, you know, be like like prison food, right? Um, in the future. Do you remember? And go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, we just thought, you know, what better food than Jello? I mean, what what what's more dystopian, right? Right. Now I remember that. Um, might have been Rick, actually. When he came to us, I said, uh, he said, okay, I need something that looks like prison food. And I said, oh, okay, what flavor do you want it? And then Rick started shouting at me because it was for the show mm. and the flavor didn't matter. 
and how right. dare I waste his time with stupid questions. Right. right. So you know, I know. Can't win them all, but we ended up deciding on cherry. Yes, a good an all timer flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what we did was we basically we we took we took like a like a like canned food cans right and um we we cut we cut them we we, we cut like little little molds out mm. from the can and kind of shaped the jello inside them and then just cooked it like that you and, think uh, you think came out nice cook is the right word to use with jello well yeah we cooked it we cooked it i'm i'm suspicious but okay we cooked the jello yeah we cooked jello did yeah, we? we cook jello yeah we cooked it it just sets you leave it to its own devices and it's fine you do not remember how to make jello i've made more jello than than you've ever eaten come on okay come on seriously don't test you can, me you can tell who's the brains of this operation uh-huh the brains of the alpha anyway Picard. Jello. Patrick didn't like it. No, no. He made sure to tell no, us that. There was a genuine reaction yeah. on screen. Um, yeah, so uh, the Miserian Thal t- tells them that he tried to, to open the door and it didn't work. He got stunned? Stun beam? He, he got zapped. Zap beam. And... Uh, Picard decides he's going to mess around with the control panel in a, in a different way, right? And he says, you know, I'm going to show them we're intelligent. Not sure what this is supposed to solve, but he, he tells them, you know, he, he tells his fellow prisoners, we're going to show them their, uh, that we're intelligent. And he starts putting in uh, the first six prime numbers in sequence over and over again, right? Mm. On, on this, this little data pad. And... Um, a lot of people actually don't know this, but this this scene is a reference to uh, a night out at the casino um, that Richard and Hans had that involved a uh, a prime number side bet on a game of roulette, mm. and uh, just it's just it's it's a little dig, it's a little dig from Richard. Um, I'm sure you can imagine what it was, but uh, more importantly, the legends say, and this this hasn't been confirmed, and I can't figure it out, but if you play the poker scene backwards and sync it up just right to uh, Blue Oyster Cult's Baby Ice Dog, there's apparently a subliminal message in there from Hans. And uh, it's it's a mystery that I have seen bandied about on Star Trek forums for decades. And uh, no one has solved it yet. What do you think Hans so, is trying to tell us? Ah. Uh, He always had very specific fetishes. Yes, he did. That's that is a a truer statement has never been never been known. Uh, I remember one time he sat us down in, I guess what you would call the break room. Um, we we had a VHS player in there, and he he, he put in this VHS from Germany about um, it was it was an animated film that featured these little dwarf gnome things and. They were crawling up a woman's vagina. Um, 
I, I looked away after that, but it was it wasn't artful. It was tasteless. Right. It was it was clearly jack off material. I guess is what I'm get, I'm going for here. Right. I uh, Hans. He needed to keep his Hans off of me. Mm. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Thank you. So then Isak is beamed in there. Yeah, Isak is beamed in there. How do you feel about the the rubber mask of Isak? It's it's a little unwieldy, I guess, but it makes him look like he has like a lisp or something. Yeah, that and the synthesized voice. Mm. What is the name of his race? Uh, I don't know. Did I write this down? Hold on. We're going to the tape. To the notes. Chalnoth. Chalnoth. Chalnoth's the planet. I think Chalna is the race. No, no, the Chalnoth is the race. And Chalna? Chalna is, is the planet, I guess, uh, if, if there has to be a distinction. I know they say both Chalna and Chalnoth in the episode. I okay. don't know which is referring to what. Much like Beta Zoid and Beta Zed. Exactly. Little known fact, <laughs> Beta Zed Beta Zed gets uh, invaded by the Dominion in DS9. Yeah, we we discussed this. We did not discuss this. This is part this is this has to do with that, that, that book about Troy holding a gun. Oh. What? Really? That's connected to this? Jesus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the Dominion Wars, yeah. Oh fuck. Alright. Whatever. Fuck. Fuck the uh the EU. The Apocrypha. <laughs> makes, Memory beta. Makes me say EU. <laughs> um Yeah, uh Isak, Isak, that's right, yeah, Isak. So the Chalnoth are a warrior race, uh, much like the Klingons, except dumber. Somehow. They're more um, anarchic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're basically just a whole race of anarchists with no government, and they just kill each other all the time, I guess. Right. Uh, As which a... makes you wonder how how they could even be considered a civilization at all. Well, that's, that's, that's um, what's-his-face, Thal's point. You know, he doesn't get along with, with Esok. Right, because he's, he's a pacifist. Right. And uh, Esok doesn't like him either. That's what he says. I don't like you either. <laughs> he says you best watch yourself. That's right. No. Tries to eat him. Um, <laughs> then I guess it cuts back to the Enterprise where Picard... He either goes to Crusher first or he goes to Ten Forward first. Mm-hmm. Both of these scenes yield quite spectacular moments. He goes to Crusher first. Okay. And he says, look at me. I'm fit as a fucking fiddle. You want to jump my bones? That's the that's the conversation they have. Mm -hmm. And Crusher says, yeah, sure. I'll I'll sign up for that, that, that dome. Give me some of that dome. Yeah. Do you feel uncomfortable so, uh... with... Uh, Picard flirting with Crusher? No, not really. Not really. Okay. Do you? Yeah, mildly. Yeah, it's just kind of gross. <laughs> you don't think so? Why is it gross? Yeah, it's just Picard. He's old. And he's not it's as old. Kind of rapey. 
No, it's not rapey, but it's just... He's old. I don't want to think about him having sex with my wife. Uh, I, I know you have a problem with age gaps. I do. I do. I almost as big of a problem as I have with thigh gaps. Hmm. Hmm. What's going on here is basically grooming. Right. Which is second only to grooming. <laughs> Insofar as uh, terribleness. You have grooming and then you have basically grooming. <laughs> I thought the scene was was. I I think the intention here is that these are things that that Picard can imagine himself doing, but doesn't do. Yeah, I buy you that. Know what I mean, yeah, they're like like they're they're like these kind of innate traits that that he pushes down within himself, kind of right. withholds from from other people. Because so it's clear like that. that it's clear that the alien. In, uh, that's an imposter Picard has some knowledge of Picard and his personality and such um, right so with that in mind it's not out of the realm of possibility that he would have feelings for Crusher that he would have um, like I don't know if it's a sea shanty or whatever but some old uh, rallying song for, mm -hmm. for the crew these are all it's not so impossible that Picard would have that facet of his personality, but it would and be more. They also suppressed. seem to have like a some kind of tell. Yeah, they have some like kind of telepathic connection to him, or they just know his entire history too. So, uh, I did think it was funny that he just basically kicks her out, almost apropos of nothing. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and I think that's where it not really coming through is being explained. That's where that hits the hardest. Of um, be like, what was the point of that? Why not? It's like you're studying communication and courting rituals, maybe, but you don't really see it through to the end. I guess it's to further drive home the point that they're just awkward. They don't really, they don't really know what they're doing. The uh, the uh, office, yeah. Uh, which there's not really a point to it, I guess. In terms, like in the, the the grand scheme of the episode, there's no real point to. Portraying these aliens is stupid. Right. In in the but... moment when you don't know really the nature of the alien or anything at all, it works just fine because, you know, you're confused the whole time. He does something confusing that heightens it like, okay. But once mm. you go back and think about it with the knowledge of how the episode ends, that's when it is the most vexing. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, it... you know, you as an audience member want to see mm. Picard lay some pipe. Right. Even if it's imposter Picard. Yeah. You just want to see him get his heart wet. Get his dick crushered. Get his dick crushed. <laughs> Picard, it's 1800. It's time for your dick crushing. <laughs> yes, doctor. Uh, all right, back down in the prison, um, Isak is is getting antsy, right? Because he can't eat the food, which we later find out like is by poisonous. design. He, he, yeah, um, he he literally tastes it and yells "poison" as <laughs> as if uh, you can tell from the taste of something that it's poisonous. Now, I but, uh, I've always been curious if Isak was actually poisoned by that food, or if he was just portrayed as a picky eater. Um, kind of like you, you give a kid vegetables and they're like poison. I can't eat. See, that's this. what I figured. That's that's what I figured. But it almost the episode almost makes me 
think that it was supposed to be poison. He just knew from a, a little lick. Just just because because of the prosthetics, he couldn't fit it in his mouth. <laughs> um, there's no way there, to. There's a line. Go ahead. There's a line here that uh, uh, Picard says, right? Picard says he says, "How long can you go without food?" Because because Isak is threatening threatening to to eat Thull, right? And and you know Picard Picard's entire uh, mission here is to kind of diffuse everyone and and escape, obviously. So he asks Isak, "How long can you go without food?" And and this this was um, actually a, a a little playful dig at Frakes. Um, because one day uh, he was pulled aside by Rick Berman, um, because he he had noticed that Frakes was starting to gain you know, considerable weight, something that would not subside for for years. <laughs> right, right, and and he, I know he wanted to avoid um, any any further weight gain as much as possible, partly because of image, and then partly because of um, you know the the costume expenses, having to change the the suit every couple episodes was not financially feasible so yeah rick berman pulls him aside and asks you know how long can you go without eating um trying to nudge him right you know subtly subtly and uh, maybe a little too subtly because uh frakes just responded by saying that he could go several weeks he was very proud of it, but um, we filmed this scene uh, while we had Marina kind of just lure Frakes out uh, outside so he wouldn't see it, and we all kind of just got to enjoy it ourselves, which was nice. It's, things are sweeter when you enjoy them without Jonathan Frakes. Or at his expense. Either one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, maybe I'm out of line for saying that, but... Well, I don't think anyone would disagree with you. He's just... a presence. But not a present. Present. Yeah. Right, yes. Mm. His presence is not our present. No, no, no. Um, his presence is uh, our liability. And... Um... You know, they call him Two Cakes Frakes, but he never brought any cakes for us. No. Two hands, two cakes, one mouth. Mm-hmm. When you hear your family. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like it's like the whole two scoops incident, you know? Yes, which lives that's, on. That's why that triggered me. Indeed. Because I thought of the two cakes. And you thought of Frakes. Yep. Yep. Now why does he get to have two two cakes? Now that's quite the fact or fiction. Um, Frakes tells the story of that time he shoved two whole cakes in his mouth, and then he's like, uh, "This one's real." <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so our next. Uh, scene displaced from time that could happen literally anywhere in the episode is Picard going to ten forward and singing with the crew. Mm. Now, before he sings, I was unprofessional. I was chewing on ice. 
before he sings, he announces to the room, ales for everyone. And someone responds, oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure you can see why this is... Yes. An unreasonable scene for Star Trek. At least in the Federation. But yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes. For the Federation, yeah. Um Yeah, pay attention to your own fucking canon. Your own lore. It's uh it's post scarcity and everything's free, but you can still treat us to things. Maybe ales are extra. Maybe the uh Maybe it's just standard issue sent the hall until you're a. You got to pay for the good stuff. Ranking officer, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's how it works. I mean, I could. Maybe see, that is how it works. I could see a little carrot, a little stick. Right. Give him something to aspire you know, to. You work hard, you get better alcohol. Work hard, you play hard. You play hard, you work hard. <laughs> Oh, jeez. So, do you remember the song? Uh, It's like, cheer up, my lads. Yeah. Cheer up, my lads. Um, you remember a I line. I, I don't I, I, Yeah, I remember one line. Um, Tis to glory we steer. Here's to... Yeah, here's to glory we... Yeah, cheer up, my lads. Here's to glory we steer. And then it goes on from there. It's appropriately shanty-esque. Is to to add something new to this wonderful year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. pretty pretty simple melody. Um, and then he says, "To honor, we call you as free men, not slaves." And he looks pointedly at Jordy. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange directing decision, but I appreciate the thought that goes into these episodes. A very um, memeable scene lived on very, very yes. far beyond any any knowledge of allegiance. Is that the one where yeah. Picard <laughs> sings for some reason? Right, right, yeah. I, I think this is the scene that's taken, uh, or, or that lives on in most people's memories from this episode. And it's funny, I guess. Um, there's there's a, a very funny sting that happens at the end of the scene where... Uh, Jordy sits down at Riker's table with Troy, and 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 it's, it's very tense. And they're like, "That's not the captain." Comes Me- to commercial. Meanwhile, he's still singing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's a very funny juxtaposition. I, I uh, liked that that moment in particular as a uh, a how do I describe this? I mean that that juxtaposition of tone was appropriately unsettling. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm not going to begrudge it. No, I'm not begrudging it. It's just it's funny. Steady boy, steady. And then they they decide to uh, they decide to to mutiny. I guess. Yeah. No. Worf says. Worf says. Uh, we shouldn't mutiny. And then they mutiny anyway. <laughs> they have a secret meeting in presumably Riker's quarters. And yeah, Worf says that we do not have sufficient evidence for mutiny. And then uh, all it takes is a stern look from Riker and Picard just mutins, shrinks down. Um, on the planet, yeah? the, uh, 
did you have something else to say? Well, I was going to ask how you feel about um, Riker's ultimate decision to to mutiny. Because I think the episode does do a relatively good job of not giving them so such probable cause that yeah. that it's actually a decision to be made. You know, like Picard's not 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 killing people with a knife or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's it's all pretty logical. Yeah, you know, Riker knows that um, he's kind of going into this blind, and he could basically lose his job for it. But I enjoyed the threats from fake picard uh right. on that subject it's like hey, right. do you have enough evidence to convince the board of of inquiry which mm. it's like yeah I don't, I don't know if he does it's like i had this weird feeling about the captain um ultimately at like the very end it it kind of tips over the scale when picard tells him to crash into that fucking star but <laughs> verbatim by the way yeah but up until that point, fucking star ensign <laughs> Up until that point, it's it's um, an actual question, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, once once he does start threatening him, it's kind of solidified, and you're like, okay, well, I guess it's time to. Yeah. I mean, not that the audience doesn't um, doesn't already know this, because down in, in the in the prison room, which I assume is on some planet or something, um. Picard has basically figured out that um, what's her name? The uh, Ensign? Yeah. The cadet. Uh, Haro, yeah, the cadet is uh, is one of one of the aliens that's observing them and, and has taken taken them as prisoner and, and, and become their doppelgangers or whatever. Through a nice and, little uh, callback to previous episode i enjoyed that what's that well what happens is that she is telling the other captives about picard and she mentions some of his previous exploits and she mentions mm. um the who watches the watchers that the events of that episode and oh, okay yeah picard ultimately later on because you see him kind of react to that and he makes the point right. that that was classified enough that a they wouldn't be talking about it at the academy or whatever and then he right. goes on to mention something that we haven't heard about which was completely classified that this person ultimately purports to know and um mm -hmm. it they don't say oh this is captain picard from season three episode two who watches the watchers you know obviously they don't say that but um the if you remember the name of that planet is name dropped and uh it's all accurate, so it's a to me it was a nice little callback. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that. I, I remember the because uh, they reference what he had just done, basically, right? With the I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but in any case, the 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 scene before that, the scene before what we're talking about now is basically where you you know that there's something up with her, mm. and then you know he turns to her and is like, "All right, I'm done with this." fuck it you know stop not this game is over i'm not playing taking my ball yep, and yep. going home and so that forces them to suspend the experiment they take him back to his ship where he confronts his doppelganger and he gives his crew a meaningful look 
Indeed. Which is half of Picard's repertoire. In yeah, I guess so. Look. This is the worst and, uh, conclusion of any episode in any season of Star Trek. This, this made me so angry. It's so aggressively dumb. Is how I would put it. <laughs> it's fucking awful. So the bridge crew traps the aliens, who look awful, by the way. They look so stupid. Yeah, yeah, they got like um, tube noses and spandex. They, they look, they look almost as bad as as Golem Lol. <laughs> and the, the the bridge crew traps them in this little tiny cylinder on the bridge, and they start doing the 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 Dragon Ball Z scared sounds. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where they go like... <laughs> That's not the and, image that came to my mind, but yes, I do know what you mean. They they start, like, looking around very quickly and, and, and touching it, touching the force field incessantly and be like... Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> um, so you're saying this, this, this scene didn't work for you? <laughs> not by a long shot. I, I would say that what really, really annoyed me was how the idea of, okay, so the aliens, like, we have this mental communication, it's more efficient than your verbal communication, mm-hmm. and Picard says, we have nonverbal communication, which still is not as efficient as your mental communication, but whatever, um, and... That means that we're on your level. Like this was not mentioned anywhere else in the episode. It's not a theme of the episode. <laughs> right, right, but right. It, it it gets pulled out of the, out of their asses right. at, the, at the, the very end. The way it's portrayed here is that this is what the episode was about, when that's just not not at all true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. That's that's absolutely right. And um, you know, the double whammy is that you have these aliens that are uh, obviously much more advanced than than the Federation is, uh, and you just immediately get to make them look pathetic just because. Right. It's like, no, you're not supposed to outsmart us. You're right, right. They can teleport by themselves. They and they're can... stuck in a force field? <laughs> it's a very strong force field. <laughs> oh, man. The more we discuss it, the more it pisses me off. And it's funny because this theme, not theme, but this concept of a higher power race um, studying the Enterprise and its crew as like lab rats was done mm. in that Nagilum episode where, That's right. where silence has lease. Mm-hmm. And or if, if, if you're me, where science has lease. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even novel to this, unto the series. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed the episode largely leading up to the ending, but that final three minutes, even two minutes, just really dropped the ball. It's like they suddenly decided we need to have a theme. Right. <laughs> okay. You know, our the the nonverbal communication of the Enterprise is so strong. You know, I guess it might reaching it might tie into the idea that they were able to perceive Picard as not being himself um, through his nonverbal cues. I don't know. It, I give up. 
But you know, just come come and cheer up my lads. Crusher Crusher seeing his dick twitch under the table. <laughs> and then uh, getting cocked blocked by the uh by the alien itself. It's like no, nah, he, yeah. he you can't jump his bones, it's our job. Also, yeah, what was with that ending with Crusher? Yeah. <laughs> it was both like a it was it was like a sitcom ending. I mean the what the look Riker gives him is the same thing. <laughs> Frakes' other uh facial facial acting is uh Yeah, 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 the little little smirk. Glib smile. Yeah. Uh but Crusher never comes out of the bridge. Never. Not like that. Not like that. No, and just takes a seat, usually Troy's seat, right. hereby known as right. the woman's seat. The woman's seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I hate that ending. So do I. And I think I kind of failed to actively, um, accurately rather, explain why this episode was, I was kind of lukewarm on it. And the more we talk about it, how a lot of the events don't have a clear chronology to them, how the ending just doesn't have anything really going for it. Um, it's starting to make more sense. Yeah, I mean, in terms of chronology, though, it's it's not so unusual for an A plot and a B plot to be kind of separate. No, but I think the A plot also lacks a, a meaningful chronology. Yeah, I suppose so. It's just a bunch of examples of... Well, I don't even know what the A plot's supposed to be, which one it is, but... Um, in in one plot, it's it's a bunch of disjointed scenes of Picard doing wacky things... And in the other, it's a bunch of disjointed scenes of um, wanton fighting, wanton infighting, and getting shocked by a door. Right. Basically. And what ultimately is a fruitless struggle as uh, there's really no reason to open the door. That's that's true, too. Yes. So it does feel like a meaningless kind of episode in a lot of ways, even with an, uh, an intriguing catch to it i don't mind a lot of the ideas behind the episode but a lot of the execution is just not there yeah yeah i mean now that we've gone through it i kind of can't help but agree but again i like patrick i like the i like isak especially isak reminds me of the um nausicans the guys that stabbed Picard in the heart later on. Of the Valley of the Wind? That helps you. <laughs> it does. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of just tall, brutish race in Star Trek. Why didn't they just have Picard get stabbed by e- a bunch of Esocs? <laughs> a bunch of Esocs, like the same guy <laughs> clone. <laughs> 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 I'm going to meet you in 30 years. Oh, <laughs> oh god. All right, so how many saucer steps would you get award this episode? Uh, you go first. 2.5. 2.5. I, I would do it like a little bit higher, but it's probably less than a 3. All right, it's so 2.75. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you really soured me on this episode. I did it. I mean, it, it wasn't me. It was the episode. Sure. Don't blame me. Yeah. When, when you realize that that 
it's not that the episode has to have a message, but when they shoehorn it in like that, or like a moral, when they shoehorn it in like that, it's it's just it's so cynical. It's certainly worse than no message, no theme. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna watch wacky Picard things, then just make it wacky Picard things. Hell, That's there's fine. there's about to be three seasons of wacky Picard things. <laughs> our uh, our next episode is is more wacky Picard things, actually. So. That's the Pleasure Planet one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where we have to buy some young 20-something being super into Patrick Stewart. I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart is an attractive man. No, I mean, yes, he has attractive... He just went to for Daniel Craig for like 20 minutes. Uh, Patrick Stewart, I think... How do I want to say this? He's not attractive in the same... His attractive qualities are not strictly the physical qualities. Like, they're there to an extent, but it's a lot of the the front that he puts on of being, like, uh, a cultured individual, which ultimately ultimately we know he's not. But um, All right. All right. the idea of this, like, older, experienced, cultured guy, um, you, you know, Shakespeare and is a good actor, is is attractive but to just go by if you saw him just on the i don't know the on a lawn chair on a pleasure planet you wouldn't like be immediately drawn to him you know what i'm getting at i don't know women are weird women are weird and that's uh that's the freeze frame cut to credits Audience laughs. Yeah. But, uh, uh, laughter is, takes us out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish laughter could take us out today. Like an assassin? Yeah, yes. Exactly. Uh, but I have trivia for you, so Sock I it can't. T- Sock it to me. Um, alright, so this is about Esok's outfit. If there's one thing I know a lot about, it was it was um Isak's outfit would be modified and, and reused for a character in Deep Space Nine, a recurring character, mind you. Am I the am, question is who that is. Am I allowed to Google a picture of the outfit on Isak? No. I'll I'll get it for you though. Okay. My immediate reaction is General Martok. It's not General Martok. Hold on. Let me get you like a a nice, all right, picture, a nice picture. Give me a nice picture. It better not be Morn. Is it Morn? Oh, it is Morn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is Morn. <laughs> fucking Morn. Do you know the deal with yeah, Morn? They, they basically just take everything off of the fucking outfit. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's Morn. I I know I know he's a drunk. He's always at Quark's bar, and the joke, the running joke with him is that he never speaks. He's got no dialogue, but characters always refer to him as being, um, as going on, being verbose, telling a lot of jokes. Oh my god. And they'll be talking to him, and it's like, oh, what do you think, Morn? And Morn will, like, open his mouth to talk, and like, you know, don't tell me. Uh, they'll cut him off. Um, and it's like, you never get to hear Morn speak. 
Now there there is a, a somewhat humorous episode. I think the title is like "Mourn's Dead" or "Who Will Who Will Mourn for Mourn?" Something like that. Oh, oh God! And um, it involves Mourn's death, and it's it's pretty pretty uh, humorous. Um, I wouldn't say Mourn adds anything to Deep Space Nine, but he's certainly a character that recurs. Sounds like a bit that we would do. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? You know what would be funny if we had this alien that like never talked. But everybody says that he does. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess in that way, I can I I have to respect it. For, he does look like he's he's in a big fat balloon muscle suit. Yeah, it, it, he looks inflatable. Mm-hmm. The um, some some more in physiology trivia is, and this actually tra- ties into some greater Trek trivia, but. The latinum in gold-pressed latinum is a liquid that is pressed into gold. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you can crack the gold open and drain the latinum if you need it. So anyway, Morn, through a convoluted series of events, keeps a large store of liquid latinum that he got out of gold in his second stomach that he can just vomit up to, uh, p- to produce payment if he needs to. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I feel like if you asked me what the what the answer to, to this was going to be, I, I would have been able to guess it. The answer to what? Well, I mean, like the you know, like what what's what's so special about the uh, uh, Morn and fucking Latinum or whatever. Latinum. Latinum. Yeah. I feel like I would have been able to guess that like he has he has an organ that synthesizes it or something. <laughs> you know, it is. I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> Once you start watching Deep Space Nine, we can get this friendship off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait either for our next episode next week, where we watch another episode of not Deep Space Nine, but Star Trek The Next Generation, which is our current generation. Until then, I want to thank our sponsors, um, Denny's, home of the Grand Slam, Moons Over Miami, and the Tauntaun Men. And also the Pep Boys, home of Three Minute Oil Change. You can mention the term "readier" at either of these establishments for fifteen percent off of your purchase. Uh, we also wanted to thank our other sponsor that we mentioned earlier in the video that I forget. Is it NordVPN? It was NordVPN. That was uh, the NordVPN, yeah. Right, NordVPN. Um, it's a it's a very personable number. That's what the VPN stands for. And also use uh, contact code Readier for 10% off of a year's worth of subscription to that. Next week, we'll be back with more episodes. Until then, please take stock of what's, what's, what really matters in life. And with that in mind, stay Readier. The Troublesome Little Man Child. I stand before you defrocked. Condemned to be a member of this lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? You should have told him to mind his own damn business. Well, I'll stroke the beard. Dulcimer. Do I not appear more intellectual? Have you never dreamed of climbing?
climbing inside the bottle. 